Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest today is the playwright Stephen Levinson. So, dear Evan Hansen, you've probably seen advertised in some way, shape or form. Train stations, tube stations, buses, online... Why? Because this is the this is the hot show. This is the hot ticket. This is, <clears throat> uh, in quote marks, the new Hamilton. And what I mean by that is it's uh, it, it's a show that was a, a huge hit in America, generated incredible word of mouth, and therefore comes over to uh, to Blighty uh, with a with a big reputation. So I sat down with the with the playwright Stephen Levinson to talk about Dear Evan Hansen uh, and a whole heap more. If you're like me, you've tried to buy tickets and have been rather unsuccessful in doing so up until now. Stephen was uh, was wonderful company. So uh, here he is, as ever, by the way, uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, we are podcast at balance.media or sales at balance.media. Spread the word, share on Twitter, all that caper. If you've not enjoyed it, just keep that to yourself. That's absolutely fine. Uh, anyway, here he is, the wonderful... Um, incredibly charming, Stephen Levinson. Uh, Stephen, thanks ever so much, because I appreciate that uh, since James Brown died, you might be the hardest working person. In <laughs> um, I'll take it. Take it. But you've really squeezed us in here, so I, I am oh, uh, thank you. tremendously grateful. Yeah, of course. No, my pleasure. Can you give an, an update? Because it feels like fever pitch for this show. So what? how's it going at the moment? Uh, it's in, very exciting to be here, I have to say. Sure. Um, we just finished, I guess, two days ago, the cast did its last run through in the rehearsal space. So oh my God. we are moving into the theater this week, um, which is very exciting. I stopped by the theater yesterday where they're, the the actors are not there yet, but they're kind of setting up all the lights and sound and everything. And it's, it's incredibly exciting. I mean, these... Uh, it's to, to be in the West End or on the West End is is just such an enormous honor and thrill, and to go into that building is just I don't know. It's really you know gives me the chills. It's really incredible. When you were growing up, was that part of the dream, the West End? Yeah, I London was such an incredibly exotic sounding thing to me. It still sort of is. It's like so amazing to be here. Um, 
because I guess, you know, I think as like so many Americans, well, Americans who read, um, like <laughs> Eng- England always seems like, you know, the, there's such envy of England where it seems like it's, it's like the U.S. because they speak English, but people are smarter somehow, which I know is not necessarily true. Um, but, but culturally, it always seems like, oh, it must be better there. They have theater there and people go to it um, more than in the U.S. Are you a Norm MacDonald fan? You know, the no. There's a Canadian comedian, Norm MacDonald. Uh-huh. And his, his theory is that we Brits, and I'm guilty of this. Yes, yes. We look to America and we think... God, it's so exciting! It's <laughs> Steve McQueen and Hollywood, and it's right, right. Donald, and it's the you know the glamour. And then, as you say, there Americans look the other way, and it's you know maybe it's the West End, or it's yes. Andrew Lloyd Webber, maybe it's Monty Python, you know. Totally. So we never. No, exactly. I think that's very <laughs> true. So, um, you know, it's funny though. When I was um, twenty-three, I think I my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, we were talking about going to London, and I said, I think I'm. A, I was a playwright, and I was like, I'm gonna have mm. a play there soon and we'll go like when i have a play in london but that was 12 years ago so it's i thought it would happen a little bit faster but i'm still very that's excited still, I, that's, <laughs> I mean that's something yeah set yourself a, a very yes, that's true. i was like i'll be there in a year or two i was like well thanks for sticking around well done Thank um you. but the anticipation for this show and as someone who has been on that fucking mailing list for quite a long time <laughs> um but the, the positivity for for us British fans, um, it's like what's the scene? It's like is it Gladiator? Steady, but it, it's like that. <laughs> That's that, so that, great. That must be nice, mustn't well, it? Well, the amazing thing is this cast is so incredible, um, and especially you know we have some incredible actors who have been going at this a very long time who have mm. amazing experience under their belt. But then we also have all of these young people. Um, who many of them are right out of school. Um, and that combination of, you know, these veterans and then these people who are just making their debuts, it's like, it's a very exciting atmosphere and they're very encouraged and encouraging and, and they're just so great. I mean, uh, we sat through the run through the other day and it, it, it was really incredible how, how good they are um so uh, you know we're, we're relatively early in the process and they are just so tapped into it and it's very moving and, and it's it's yeah i i could not be more excited is it fair to say it feels to me like this is a real boom time for theater do you, do you mm. feel like yourself yeah it does feel that way i mean i think I, it was it was sort of while we were writing this musical uh, we were lucky enough to to ride this wave that that happened at least in the states with you know, it was sort of, you know, Fun Home was a big musical. And then Hamilton, which you may have heard of. I don't know if it's... What? Yes. <laughs> it's an obscure little... You'll get it someday. Oh, you already have it. Oh, right. Good luck, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but that, I think Hamilton, obviously, was the thing that really, like, you know, exploded musical theater for some reason. Uh, and made it, like, something that was part of the the popular culture again, um, which obviously... Uh, you know, and then there were movies like La La Land and Greatest Showman, sure. which I think also oh gosh, kind of yeah. really put mm. musicals, for some reason, back on the map. Um, That's absolutely right. You're right. Yeah. And the Greatest Showman was such an unusual film because it, it flopped that first week. Yes. Hugh Jackman tells the story that he, the director phones him, and Hugh Jackman says, I am so sorry. And the director goes, no, this is going to... This is going to be a hit. And he was like, I hate to break this to you, but it factually is not. <laughs> and then it just, 
Because I think the the songs yeah. just got into people's DNA, and then that. Was well, what's so incredible is is Benj Pasek and Justin Paul, who I wrote Dear Evan Hansen with, wrote the songs mm-hmm. obviously for Greatest Showman, and we did both projects sort of at the same time, and they both had a similarly like. For a long time, they both seemed like things that would never happen. You know, at varying times, they wow, were these wait. insane things that we were. Like I remember <laughs> meeting up with them in Los Angeles at the director, the, the director of that movie, his apartment they were staying at. And it was like this movie they were working on that they'd been working on forever. That was never going to happen. And it was like, you know, and our musical that was never going to happen. And it just felt like I, it's so shocking that both of those things Have actually happened. Them. Like it's, it's so remarkable, but, but really funny looking back, like all of those despairing conversations we have. I mean, may I ask, this is a, a this feels good to ask this, this question. How amazing is it uh, to be part of this phenomenon, this, this this juggernaut? It's really, you know, it, it is it is it is so unlikely. I have to say, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was so, um, you know, I've said it before, but it was like this was the worst sounding musical ever, except for maybe Hamilton, which I think also sounds bad on paper. You know, it's like it's about the, one of the founding fathers of the U.S., but it's rap. Wait, come on, you back. know, it's like, it, um, but this one also it was like when we told our. Um, the producer of this musical, when we told her our idea and we really had sort of fleshed it out more and it was like, it's going to be about the 17 year old and he lies about a fellow classmate's suicide. Uh, and, um, but it's really, it's going to be funny too. And, um, it's about a kid, but we want it to be for everyone and not just for kids. It just sounded like what? Sure. Um, and then I just remembered like, pitching this idea to so many people and it would always take like 10 minutes. I'm still not good at explaining the story to people. You yeah, know, it's like, so there's a letter and he's right. Oh no, wait, let me go back. So he's got to write these letters cause he's got to, and he's like, Oh no, 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 hold on. You know, it's like, it's so convoluted and it was just like, and it's a musical. Um, so everything that's happened has just been remarkable. Like at every step of the way, it just felt like, you know, it just, I can't even, I can't impress upon you how, how strange it all has been, but, but really incredible and, and really has given me a lot of faith in just, um, I don't know, in, in believing in an idea and, and pushing hard for it and not really thinking about whether it was sort of, you know, quote unquote commercial or, you know, mainstream or we just had no idea. We just knew that we really liked it. Sure. Um, and, we hoped it would find some audience and then everything else has just been an incredible gift. So the, the, the themes of the show I, I will come back to, but is there anything else you can tell our listeners about the show without spoilers? Yeah, of course. Do you want me to say what it's about? Do you want me to try my tortured? Yeah. Um, but because <laughs> one thing I really want to talk about though are the themes. Yes. Um, I'll do it now if you like, but there is this, there is this weird thing in the, since social media has, you know, seemingly taken over our, mm-hmm. our lives, of when someone passes away, the sheer volume of Absolutely. people, famous people, not famous people, they all come from nowhere to Absolutely. make it about them, take ownership <laughs> yes. of, you know, we, you and I will all know stories of people who come out and express remote, and you think, you didn't know that. Well, that's exactly, it's funny because that's, that is exactly where the show began. It began with um, Benj Pasek, one of the songwriters in high school. This is before social media, but um, um, in the prehistoric times of the 1990s, or maybe even the 2000s, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Um, but, uh, but it feels like, God, ages. But he, um, 
a classmate of his died of a drug overdose um, very suddenly and, and tragically. And it was unclear if it was an accident or intentional. And it was a student who was really sort of an outcast and an, a loner and, and did not have a lot of friends and was not very popular. And then suddenly in the wake of his death, Benj watched as sort of the entire school became obsessed with this person. And yeah. everybody was suddenly saying, oh, well, I had this time with him where I, you know, we went out and blah, blah, blah. And, and oh, we've been friends in elementary school and this weird kind of glomming on to this tragedy and, and sort of, you know, warping the facts a little bit to make it to, to be more connected to this person that otherwise they had not had a connection to. And and so Benj kind of tucked that experience away as and I think what he found most disturbing was that he was a, both aware of what people were doing and also was part of it. You know, yeah. he also wanted to say, like, oh, our lockers are really close to each other's. Um, and then in college, when he started working with um, Justin Paul, they started talking about that experience. And this this was when social media started happening. And it became um, more and more that became less of what felt like a local or personal phenomenon and more of this kind of global thing. And, th and then when we started talking, that was that was one of the things we talked about was um that, that was sort of the kernel of the idea was, was, was this experience of Benjamin's and, and what would that mean? But it felt somehow like that was a story that resonated with him. And, and so we started talking about what was interesting about that to all of us. And I remember it was right around the time there was this video online that we were really obsessed with. That was, um, I don't remember exactly what it was called. It was called like, it, it was a YouTube video of a kid who was obsessed with Britney Spears saying, and he was weeping like openly weeping about the fact that like the haters wouldn't leave her alone. And it had gone viral and it was, people were loving this video, but it was like this person who was legitimately like crying about how people were being mean to Britney Spears. And it was like, what is going on first of all? But also I, I guess the reason we thought it was so interesting and the reason, and we kept coming back to like celebrities, like you said, and why when Robin Williams died, I mean, this was later, but I'm trying to remember who it was at the time. But when people died, suddenly it was like, oh, that was my favorite actor. Or we uh, we were once in an elevator together. Why everybody had to make these things about themselves. Um, but, but at the same time, what was interesting to us, like in that video of that person weeping, was that they were legitimately weeping. Yeah. It was not fake. Yeah. And that kind of concern that was coming out on social media when somebody died was not actually fake. It was legitimate and real and deep. And so... We knew that we could tell a story about how shallow and narcissistic people are and how they make tragedy about themselves. But we felt like maybe there's a more interesting story, but we're not quite sure what it is about why do people do this and why might we do that? What, like, what is the human impulse to make a tragedy about me and um, to, to go so far as to lie about your connection to something terrible to, to, to somehow connect to it. Um, and so that was, that was really the kernel of what became the show. Is it, are we all working our own issues out? Is it like we're all trying to use social well, media as we, a form of therapy? I mean, the, the, the kind of the thesis that we came up with that, that we went with was, and this is maybe the, the, the very baseline thing is I, I think it, it is about connection and about this, you, you know, it's become a cliche, but it's true that, that these, these, platforms are all about connection and interconnectivity and yet we all feel more and more alone and isolated yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's something about tragedy that seems to 
that feels so real, I guess, because it is so real that, that it makes us, we want to connect to it. We want to find one another through it. And, uh, you know, it, the really weird thing happened in tech for this show on Broadway. It was, we were like right about to open the show. It was maybe like a week, two weeks before we started previews, but it was the, the election in 2016, um, which in the U S which was, uh, a bit traumatic. Um, and we watched the, uh, the Michael Moore, the newish documentary recently. Oh, Have you seen it? No. Oh my God. It, so it starts off with video at Trump's, uh, Oh boy. And then a video at Clinton's, and the Clinton people are dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they know yes, they've yeah, got yeah, it in yeah. the bag, you know. So it's like yes. celebrate, and then the Trump one. Oh my so god! So subdued. Yes. And then something. Oh, yeah. It was. I mean, I think your country seems to know something about um, national political traumas. It seems of late. Oh, mate. But well, it happened before, actually. <laughs> um, yes. Anyway, um, but that <laughs> night it was so weird. I was. I went to a. A, what began as a party, um, much like that. You were at the Hillary one? No, no, no. Oh, it right. was like, I was at somebody's house. It was, oh, it was so fun. Same thing. It was like, you know, and then by the end, it was like, I have to leave. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> and then, anyway, I was like, I um, I was home. I was, I was alone. My family wasn't there. And I was, you know, I felt very confused and upset. And the first thing I thought of to do was to go on Facebook and to see what people were saying and to like see what my friends were saying. And it actually was, I actually found comfort and solace in that. Like wow. it was actually the thing that, and, and so that was, and, and I mean, the show kind of, we wanted to show that, that it, that it can be this thing that works, you know, that it can feel like in that moment, all I wanted to do was to, was to see all the people I knew and loved and feel like, what are they saying? Are they okay? Are we all okay? Um, but then, of course, that whole presidential campaign and that whole, you know, much like Brexit sure. here was so about the poison of online speech. Mm. And um, you see that double valence, you know, like that that, right. the, that social media is just both of those things. Mm. And, and I don't know I, I, it, whether it's a net positive or a net negative. I, I'm not totally sure yet. I don't think we know. One of the sad things as well is uh, here and in America is... The divide feels wider than ever. So if you voted a certain way, oh, yeah. you're automatically an idiot. And if you vote yes. that way, you're a you're a whiner. You know, it's oh, hundred um, percent. It's, it's heartbreaking. Isn't yes, it? yes. And the, and that so much of social media has just become this echo chamber um, <laughs> where you you go on. I mean, partly so that you don't have to see anybody else's views, yeah. and you just block anyone if they don't agree with you. Sure. Um, and we're all. Probably guilty of that. We um, all ended up in the. You and I yeah. are probably in the very, very similar. Yes, yes. Echo chamber. I uh, I imagine. Um, the, it, you mentioned Robbie Williams there. I was reminded of that terrific Bobcat Goldthwait movie he'd made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, there's echoes of that, aren't there? Where the, his son, who is not popular in the movie, passes away. I don't know if you've seen. Yes, it. I haven't. I'd, I'd recommend it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Po- similar thing, and then he becomes this. Oh, interesting. Deity. Almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. Through through this. Huh. Um, now this, I, I ask this question as a positive, but it depends how you're going to take it. I would take it as a positive. If I would <laughs> um, dear Evan Hansen, this label of the next Hamilton, the next Hamilton over here, it's felt like, have you, have you got your tickets yet? It's the next Hamilton. It's the next Hamilton. That can only be, uh, is that a lovely thing or do you take that as a, well, look, I, I mean, I certainly am a fan of Hamilton and, and, um, 
uh, I, what they've done is incredible, but I certainly also would not put us in the same category. I mean, our show is, is, it just feels like so much smaller. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it's lovely that people are saying that because I mean, who wouldn't want to be the next Hamilton? Um, I don't know that there is a next Hamilton. Do you know what I mean? It's so, that's kind of why Hamilton is what it is. It's like that, that show really stands alone. I actually, we were, we developed our show very, on a very similar timeline. And Alex Lackamore, who is our um, music supervisor and music director also, um, was the music supervisor and orchestrator for Hamilton. And so we heard a lot about the show that Lynn who did in the Heights was doing this new show, like throughout the time that we were doing our show. So yeah. we, I feel like we also sort of watched that show become this thing like the, that we had heard about. And then it was like, Oh, that's that show. Um, that's but, but it was like, I don't know why I say that, but it was just, it feels, I don't know. We we certainly never. You sort of had like the front row. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I I but I never. I I made it um, a conscious decision not to see it until our show had opened off Broadway, because I knew I would see it and just be like, "What am I doing with my life?" Um, just because it's so. I knew it would be so good, and it is so good. Um, so I saw it like once our show had opened, so I couldn't be like, "Oh my god, we have to change everything to make it better," you know. Because <laughs> um, uh, it's just so fantastic. Let me out, guys. So, right. Yes, exactly. Um, but it, but it is. Um, yeah. I think. I think it was more in that. Um, and again, this is more of a yeah. ego massage than a, I love it. Than a question. <laughs> it was more the reaction of the the fans in America and the yeah. lucky few who'd holidayed to Broadway and seen it. It was. It was the impact that it had on people's lives. So people were walking out of the theatre yeah. of Dear Manson going. Wow, you know, I mean, that's a that's a beautiful thing. Isn't well, that it? was, I mean, yes, and and that is the, it's the most incredible thing, and it's the thing that you, I think, you know, as somebody that makes things, like you, you want that response from people, but you certainly never expect it. You know, you you you, it's hard to hope for something like that that somebody's life will actually feel like it's been changed by what yeah. you've done. It, I mean, it's even ridiculous. It feels ridiculous to even say it out loud, but um, it's also the most. It's just so humbling. It really is. Um, I remember when when we first started performances in Washington, D.C., out of town. Um, and again, we had this little musical. And, you know, our big claim to fame was the, the boy who had been in Pitch Perfect was in our musical. Um, and nobody, funny. you know, it was funny. like that was our big thing. Yeah. And, um, and it was like, what is it called again? Um, and... Uh, and I remember walking to rehearsal one day after we had started previews and there were like four or five younger people lined up to buy tickets. And I was so confused, like what they were doing there and how they found out about our show. Um, and that was when I sort of realized like, oh, people are, people are having an experience and are talking about this. And yes. that felt like, whoa, uh, incredible because as a theater kid who grew up, you know, a show like Rent for me was, yeah. I mean, those shows, especially that show, it changed my life. It was like, you know, you see those things and you, you feel seen, you feel heard and you feel like, I, I don't know. So to feel like our show could, could be something like that is, it's amazing. I mean, you, you know, you've done, you've done the hard yards. You've, you know, you've been working at, at this for, for years as a, as a writer, you've, you know, you've paid your dues 
but it must be gratifying when you not just the reviews and not just the success, but the actual emotional reaction of the yeah. people. That, that must. Well, it's also you know in writing plays at least you, you just don't get that response. I mean, you you um, sure at least in in the U.S. You know, like straight plays are generally it's for a smaller audience and it's a much more subdued audience. And really? um, yeah, well, you know, it's like. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's, it's a little more... It's just a lot less mainstream, you know, so it's kind of a rarefied audience, which is which is uh, not great about about plays, you know, that it feels like you're playing to such a small section of people. It yeah. feels very elite mm. um, in a not good way. Uh, and and so I'd never had the experience of having fans of a show, you know, um, or having people who knew all the words or, you know, that. Yeah, yeah. And that is like. I, it's just amazing because <laughs> um, it's, you know, it, it it feels so ephemeral what we do. And, and we make these things that that are basically, you know, they're there at 730 tonight and then they're gone until they're back again. And and sort of feel like you do something and it, and it sticks with people is like, I don't know, it feels magical somehow. So the, the past couple of musicals I've been to, I've deliberately not listen to the songs before him. Yes. And I, can I speak for myself? I'm a wife, actually. Um, <laughs> that that has been a, a really good thing. Yes. Would you recommend that we do the same with Dear Evan Hansen? I, I think if they come, Maybe. Because I think if they come from away, yes. I feel I would have spoiled that if I'd yes. gone in there. Having, you definitely will probably spoil it if you listen to the music. That's, for, honestly, for that's Hansen. really yeah. good to know that. You yeah. probably will. I mean, unless you really don't listen to the lyrics. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, I mean... Some people go to, when you go to musicals, yes. people are literally singing along. I know. And you're like, how do you know? You know, it might I be know. Like third night crazy. Or You know, it's, it's remarkable. No, that is crazy. Um, yeah, I, that's a really good question. I think I would recommend, it depends on the, the kind of person you are, if you, if you like to go in. I'm going to swerve it. I think you should. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I think you should. Deliberately swerve yes. it. Yes. Um, now, may, may I ask you what you also uh, write for, for 
TV and movies. Uh, Matt, you worked on Masters of Sex, did you? Yeah. You? How was that experience? Because Michael Sheen that was great. contender for one of the nicest people. Well, Michael Sheen, actually, this is what I remember. I was thinking about that he, we were shooting the day after the Brexit vote. Wow. He was like, he was Black very traumatized. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, thank goodness we don't live in a country like that. <laughs> you know, like I just remember that feeling. You suckers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oops. Um, but anyway, yes, no, that was a great experience. And, and he's such a incredible actor and person. And the, the, the Fosse Verdon yes. as well. Yes. Can you say a bit about that, please? Because I mean, yeah. the, the reaction to that has been. Yeah, that well, was. Um, that I think you're, a, you're on quite the hot street. Oh, right? oh, thank you. That was something I. Um, I started working on that right when, right, basically right when Dearman Hansen started on Broadway. I um, I met Tommy Kale, who directed Hamilton, and we started talking about um, this biography called Fosse um, that he wanted to do as a limited series. And Sam Rockwell was already wanting to do it. Um, and when we started, we really, we thought we were making a show about Bob Fosse and trying to figure out how to do that. And then at a certain point along the way, we started talking to Nicole Fossey, his daughter, and it just became so clear that actually the most interesting, most compelling part of the story was the relationship between Bob and Gwen. And it was like hiding in plain sight. And it was also, I mean, our big challenge with it was always like, we love Bob Fossey's work and we, you know, we love those movies and those musicals, but like that story of the tortured male artist, um, genius, just felt like, how do you tell that in a new way? It sure. doesn't feel like we've seen it before. And it felt like, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, because Gwen has sort of been left out of the story. Um, it certainly had, I didn't really know much about her when I started this project. And so that was the great discovery for us was finding this person um, and this story and this bizarre kind of twisted love story that, that um, yeah, that was so fascinating. And, and getting to work with those actors was you know, it was basically what I did for the last two years. So it was, it was really, it was an incredible journey and it was, it was difficult, but also incredibly rewarding. I'm right in thinking you and Lynn, your paths are crossing again yes, on, a, on, yes. a, on a movie script. Yes. What's, what's the latest? We're working on um, this movie, um, Tick, Tick, Boom, yeah. which is, a, it's basically the show that, you know, Jonathan Larson, who wrote Rent, Rent was really this unfinished musical. It's amazing. That when he died. I know. <laughs> Uh, but he'd written this musical that he finished called Tick, Tick, Boom that um, he did as a one-man show um, several times. And then it was revived um, posthumously as a three-person show. Um, but it's basically, it's it's Jonathan Larson writing a story about himself um, as a 30-year-old composer who basically can't get his show going um, and is desperate to be an artist, but is, you know, trying to pay the bills. And it's it's just this incredible story of, uh, of this young artist who is at this turning point in his life where he's deciding whether to keep going or not. And it would be five more years until rent would happen. And, and then the tragedy of his death. But, but in this moment, he's sort of, it's this turning point that we all have yeah. sometimes multiple times a day where we're like, do I keep going or do I listen to all of the rejection letters? And, um, and speaking of rejection letters, it was, it was, it's really incredible when you, the Library of Congress in, in Washington, D.C. I went with Lynn to research the movie because they have all of Jonathan's papers. And so much of that collection, he kept every rejection letter he got. And there were so many of them. 
Are you serious? And it's, yeah, and it's just, it's remarkable because we all know what rent is now and we know what it became, but it's like, I, there's something about the weight of those letters, like actually holding them in your hand Hold and back. realizing, yes, that this guy, like everyone only told him no. Um, and yet he somehow kept going. Uh, and it was difficult, you know, it was really, really difficult, but, but so to get to tell that story is, is really, it, it's incredible because like I said, rent was, was huge for me and, and for so many people. And I don't know, it's a fascinating, it's very much the, a very different artist story than Bob Fosse's. Sure. You know, Bob Fosse was tortured and uh, filled with insecurity and imposter syndrome. And it was a drug addict and all of those things. And Jonathan Larson was somebody who actually, you know, had his neuroses, but was a pretty nice guy, you know? Uh, and he really knew that he had something to say. Like he always knew that he had something to say and that what he was doing was different and special and just didn't understand why the world wasn't listening. And so it's a very different kind of story, but it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's been really wonderful. And then a movie, and then, is it true there's a movie version of Evan Hansen? Yes. Yes. We we like kind of just started working on that. So that's exciting and terrifying and, how are you doing it? You're gonna <laughs> it's a good question. yourself. Yes. Um, it's a good question. The last year was really crazy. It's been, it's been a little calmer since. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very excited. You know, it's, I'm excited to tell that story in a new medium and try to figure it out. And it's always a little scary. It's a little bit like, you know, opening the patient back up after surgery. Sure. It's like yeah. we somehow managed to make this thing work. We're really going to try to do it again. Um, so. Wish us luck. <laughs> well, mate, you don't need my... Oh, look. thank I, you. I, I, I can assure you. May, may I ask, is the... Uh, and I've got to wrap up. Yes. But, um, is there a, a secret project that you would... Is there a secret itch that you would love, love to scratch that, that you haven't yet? I know you've achieved so much. So, oh, for example, one that, one that springs to mind is that Tom Hanks relatively recently said, I, I always wanted to play James Bond. And everyone went, Really? And he kept this quiet. Yeah. Well, I would love to play James. (laughs) I mean, really. You know, no, that's a great question. You know, I, I love doing new things and new challenges, and you know, I guess I'm just excited. I, I really do love writing musicals, and I kind of would love to just keep doing it. Um, But and plays, and um, I don't know. I mean, I've always there's a secret. Well, I guess not secret because I'm saying it out loud. Part of me that's <laughs> always wanted to write a novel. Yeah. I just don't think I have the discipline. I just don't. I really like other people. <laughs> and I think, and I like being around other people and not being alone for years at a time. Sure. Um, that's kind of the nice thing about theater is like you get to come out of that isolation and, and be with actors and directors. And then you go back and you write. But like there's a good... So the idea of like being in a room alone, sure. I don't know if I if I quite have the stomach for it. Before you go, did you? Re- I read very yes. recently the book about the Spider-Man musical. Did you ah, it? no, but oh, I mate. have it, no. and I've been told. Oh. I, I have been told it's like a gift to to oneself to read it. I mean, musicals are so hard, even in the best of circumstances. Um, I mean, you you enjoy it on a that, level yes, I couldn't. They're appreciate. like all kind of horror stories. At different points. Um, so I love that stuff. I mean, I, it's always like... I have two young kids. I, it was that good. I was making... I was getting up early to read the book oh, before they... That's it was, so good. I mean, it's... 
it's a prop. It's a prop. You're in for a treatment. Oh my you. god! You are. You are. Yes. Uh, I love that. I can't thank you enough. Best of luck thank with everything. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And, uh, thank, thanks for your time, man. I'm really oh, my goodness. Thank you. There you go. We're shaking yes. hands on a podcast, yes. which makes no sense. Yes. <laughs> but uh, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Huge heartfelt thanks to Stephen Levinson. As you can imagine, very much a man in demand. I'm pretty sure after our chat, he was flying straight back to New York. So I was stupendously grateful that he fit us in. Um, what an amazing career. Uh, incredible. It was a lot. I'll be honest with you. I do enjoy researching every interview, but that guy's career, uh, I had, a, I had a, a real blast reading as much as I could about him. So uh, again, huge thanks to Stephen and for to, to everyone who, who made that happen. Very, very grateful. Um, if this is your first episode, check out that back catalogue. Sweet Mama, Ricky Gervais, Dame Jess Ennis, Fern Cotton, just last week, Tim Minchin, John Bishop, um, my gosh, the great Regina King. Uh, from Watchmen, uh, and and much, much more. Uh, anyway, oh, crikey, how could I forget? The new issue of Balance magazine is out today. Cover star, Jack Black. Yes, really. Chat with Jack Black for more than an hour. Uh, he was incredible. So please do pick up a copy. The new issue of Balance. We're online, uh, balance.media, and all the socials, at balanceldn. And yes, that was me on Harry Hill's Club Night on Friday night uh, to answer a question that no one has asked. Well, not via the podcast. Mates have asked. Um, but I'm going to say it anyway. I haven't watched it. I probably will never watch it because it went well in my head. The experience was a fun one. Uh, and I don't want to watch it back and go, oh, God, what am I doing with my with my eyes or whatever? Um, so, yeah. That's on all four on Catch Up, if you want to watch it. Harry Hill's Club Nights, the final episode. I'm not saying that I was the reason they ended the show. I'm sure it was the scheduled final show. I, my involvement was, was minimal in that regard. Um, but yeah, that's me. Anyway, take care. Uh, all the best. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 